Pilot Boys in the building. Welcome to the Pilot Boys podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. I am Mecca Don here with my co-host V. Mama mentality for life. The NBA is back. It is back. Today is July 30th, 2020. Thank you guys for tuning in. I know you can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We are quarantined and still social distancing due to this coronavirus pandemic, but we're still going to figure out a way to bring you guys a show at all costs. And on today's show, we will talk to Maurice Bob of Bleacher Report's NBA and Breaking News team to get some insider information on the bubble, what's going to happen with this season, LeBron's legacy, Kawhi's legacy, who the favorites are, and so much more. We will also hit news and notes, and we have so much to talk about from Ohio State football to Kyrie Irving, Taylor Swift, Drake, RIP, Regis Philbin, false coronavirus video that's been pulled, Keenan Allen and Mike Evans, federal agents being sent into Portland, five Patriots who are opting out of the season, and a lot more. Shout out to our Patreon subscribers. Remember, our Patreon subscribers will get our episodes on Wednesdays a night early. These donations help keep our show going. If you want to help keep us on air, you can donate at www.patreon.com forward slash Pilot Boys Podcast. Don't forget to buy some wristbands and some face masks at shop.pilotboys.com. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating and comment on Apple. Let's go. Where the Pilot Boys at? Listening to the Pilot Boys podcast, we're here with a very special guest, Maurice Bob of Bleacher Report, our NBA insider. Maurice, thank you for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Uh, always good to, to ride with the Pilot Boys. You got uh, flying high. I appreciate it. Yeah, real quick, actually, before we jump in, you just started a new podcast, man, and your first guest is going to be Bun B. I want to give you a chance to plug that real quick, and then we'll jump into some NBA stuff. I uh, appreciate it. Um, you know, as you know, you know, you guys really sparked my interest in, you know, getting into the podcast world. Um, I never saw myself as a on camera type of person. Always been behind the scenes. But, you know, uh, one thing the pause has taught me is to step outside your comfort zone. Yeah. And that's really the basis and genesis of Rebel Without Applause. What I like to do is flip that noun rebel into a verb. And, you know, I want to ask guests, how do you rebel you know, in your life, you know, what's your most rebellious moments? And those are the kind of things that I get into with Bun. Um, you know, uh, what is his most rebellious moments? And surprisingly, they are outside of, you know, his reign as a, you know, legendary rapper with UGK. Um, you know, just kind of a sneak peek. Uh, one of his most rebellious moments is having to tell his mom that he would turn down two college scholarships, uh, you know, to turn pro rapper. Mm. <laughs> it's a tough one, man. I've been, yeah. I've been there, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but he has a very interesting story outside of rap. And, um, you know, that's kind of what I want to do with the podcast. You know, I want to give people an opportunity to um, express the breadth of their lives uh, outside of just what they do and what they're known for. And, you know, just kind of really dive into what made them, you know, step outside of their fears or, you know, because fear could span the breadth of, whether you're fear of success, you have a fear of failure. For sure, um, absolutely. You have a fear, 
some people have a fear for success, um, failure and success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to tackle with my podcast. And, uh, you know, I'm just starting out. So give me some time. Well, that's dope. Well, we're, we're proud of you, man. Starting out with a bang, though. Yeah. And you have a voice that I think a lot of people are going to want to hear. Uh, so, you know, obviously we'll continue to, to support and promote that. Um, but let's let's talk some NBA stuff, man, because, you know, the NBA is underway. Um, there's some storylines kind of happening about, you know, some funny things, I guess, or not so funny things with Lou Williams and Magic City and all that type of stuff. Yeah, wangs, but, baby. Yeah, the wangs. Yeah, but, but there's also, you know, there's, you know, sports are back. And the NBA was one of the first, you know, the league leagues to shut down after essentially one of the players tested positive, and they've been gone since March. Um, so to see them back uh, and the way they're back is good for a sports fan, but also they've done it a different way. You see what's happening with baseball now, with Major League Baseball already having to cancel games because they refused to create a bubble, um, but the NBA did, and maybe they're the model for it. What is your impression kind of just on that generally in terms of uh, how all the sports leagues are coming back and how the NBA has maybe differentiated themselves um, from a COVID perspective? So, you know, for me, um, the NBA has constantly been a model for all sports, actually. Uh, They have the best commissioner in all the sports. Um, He's thoughtful. Um, You know, he doesn't, you know, move without – uh, general input from the players. He he empowers the players as well. So, you know, he took all of that input and created, I think, a great, uh, you know, model for how we're going to get back into sports, you know, during COVID times. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a, you know, the goalposts keep, you know, keeps moving. Um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, even within the bubble of the NBA, you know, you have certain aspects where a player go gets a meal and all of a sudden he's got to be quarantined for 10 days. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's still a, you know, uh, learning progress. And I think um, it's easier for the NBA because not only did they pare down to just the teams that are going to make the playoffs, but, you know, the rosters are a lot, you know, smaller, uh, you know, if you want to compare it to like football, you know, those huge rosters. And also they're starting at the the beginning of the season. So all Mm -hmm. teams have to participate. And, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to sequester them, find a place where they can all – can they be away from them, play, their families that long? You know, yeah. these are a lot of things to consider. And I think that's what baseball did is they tried to move forward with some a somewhat normal um, scheduling. And right. uh, it's, it's blown up in their face because now, you know, a whole bunch of teams are going to have to pause and say, OK, look, what are we going to do if, if this player or a lot of players test positive in the case of the Florida Marlins? So, I mean, and, and I as think far as- as far as that, too, like, it, 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 I have to imagine that, you know, and that they're going to be expanded rosters or at least, you know, people that they're ready to call up. I mean, is this something that we're likely to see a bunch of G League players or, you know, international players that come over to fill rosters as, as this season continues to go on? Is that something that we should be looking out for? Uh, and thankfully, there's no shortage of those. Uh, right. You know, there are a lot of great talent, you know, it's in true. the uh, overseas leagues or G Leagues or, or what have you. Um, and it's always been the next man up. You know, right. if you can't, uh, you know, serve your duty or play or, or for whatever reason, if you want to opt out, you know, uh, you saw a lot of 10 players opted out of playing in the NFL, you know, mm-hmm. five on the Patriots alone. Yep. You know, so when you have these voids to fill, there's a lot of talent still out there, you know. And so, you know, if I'm a player who's trying to get an opportunity, I'm looking at this, you know, kind of in a salivating form, like, hey, this is my time. Right. I step up you know, and, and be ready. Uh, so I would say, you know, athletes from across the spectrum, they need to be ready 
and you know they need to prepare their families like hey i may have, i may need to be gone for x amount of time right. this is my this is my opportunity to shine and you know i'm gonna have to take that opportunity yeah. um so you know I, I think that's a positive uh for sports because you know there's no shortage of people to right what do you think is going to happen as far as the quality of basketball we're going to see right because there's there are two sides of the spectrum on this right one is that because the players are so restricted, they're used to having so much freedom and they pretty much have to eat shit and breathe basketball uh, 24-7, that we're going to see a very, very competitive NBA. And on the other end, there are concerns that all of these distractions outside that are happening in the real world are potentially going to have an impact. I just want to see where you fell on that spectrum. You know, I mean, uh, as Lou Williams showed you, it's very tough, you know, to keep a handle on that. Um, you know, he had an excused absence and, you know, used bad judgment while he was on that excused absence. Uh, so, you know, it's I think he's going to serve as a model like, OK, well, this happened to Lou Williams. Um, you know, you know, we can't let that happen again. And, you know, hopefully players will be able to lock in. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the level of competition, the thing about sports that's so great is, you know, we all like an underdog story. So these are opportunities for players to step out and, you know, show what they can do that have been lying in wait. Um, you know, it obviously we're looking at a glorified summer league with these scrimmages, but I can tell you, I already have a favorite that I'm looking at, Bowl Bowl. Yeah, um, I was just going to ask you about it. You know, I mean, I, I really can't believe he slid so far. And looking at him, uh, you, you know, obviously you see remnants of his father, but this guy has touch. Mm -hmm. he, uh, I mean, he could dribble, shoot, he could pull up for three, block shots, get to it. Um, you know, he obviously he looks like a praying mantis out there. But, um, <laughs> you know, if he can put on some weight, um, he might be a poor man's, you know, Kevin Durant if given the opportunity and he continues to build. Uh, and obviously, Kevin Durant is, you know, not respected enough, I think, for his athleticism. And I don't think Bowl has that, but he has the length. You know, right. and he's got these other uh, touches and, and talents. And I think if, if given the room to really grow and uh, foster that, he could be a serious steal uh, for the Denver Nuggets. So you know, like, I like stories like that. It seems like the Denver Nuggets have done a great job in the last two drafts, recognizing guys that have immense talent, they have some injury concerns. I forget the player they drafted last year out of Missouri. Um, but why do you – why do you think the Nuggets have had so much success? It seems like they're an organization that develops talent as opposed to just drawing in free agents. Well, I think obviously, you know, they have great um, personnel that can go out and scout. But I think, you know, they're operating under the radar, if you will. Um, so people don't see them coming and, you know, they're allowed to, uh, you know, have this, uh, this environment where they can have players come in and grow. And look at the players that they do have. Uh, the Joker, I mean, what player wouldn't want to play with him? You know, mm -hmm. he's unselfish. He's very skilled. Um, and he's able to kind of bring out the best in a lot of uh, other players. And you're seeing the growth with Jamal Murray. Um, you know, we haven't seen uh, some of the other rookies kind of step up and get their chance. But I think the coach will utilize the scrimmage time and these uh, you know, these games leading up to the playoffs to kind of see what he has, engage it and kind of go from there. Um, but, you know, obviously you're not going to have free agents come to a team like Denver. So they have to 
kind of, you know, have their own farm system and, and really invest in the draft and things like that. And, you know, instead of complaining about it, they've really dug in and accomplished that. And, uh, yeah, and they have a good amount of depth with that, which I think is, is going to be something that we need to watch for at this period of time too. Right. It's because they're, people are going to catch, people are going to catch COVID, right. That's, that's not like, it's inevitable. I don't care how much you bubble them. People are going to catch it. And so I do think depth is going to be an, an issue. And speaking of that, I guess, who do you look at and see as, as a favorite uh, or some of the favorites or who do you like to win the whole thing? And I guess the second question is, do you feel like amongst the players or maybe even amongst like re- retired players that they're going to asterisk, asterisk this season regardless of who wins? You know, I think more and more we're realizing that an asterisk has to be added to this season, um, not just because of play, but because of the extenuating circumstances. You know, you have players opting out, players getting sick, players leaving bubbles, coming back in bubbles, uh, not being available, you know, uh, things like that. And just from the mental capacity, not just health, um, you know, it's just going to be, you know, if, if nothing else, people have to remember, okay, that is that season, you know, in 2020. Uh, even though whoever wins it is deserving. Right. Um, you know, so I think it'll, it just has to have an asterisk no matter what you, you know, what you may feel about it. Um, but outside of that, you know, I do see a lot of players locking in. Uh, I'm seeing some, you know, individuals take advantage like the Lakers. You know, I thought, I thought they'd really be hurting uh, with the loss of Rajon Rondo and Bradley. And Bradley, um, yeah. But I like the way J.R. Smith and Waiters, you know, Waiters Island, you know, they're, they're still <laughs> yeah. you know, and you know, they got big cojones. I mean, they, they, right. they're not afraid of the moment. They're not so, afraid. No, yeah, exactly. So I think that really compels them uh, back into the race. You know, I, I was looking at a two, two team race over in the West uh, between the Clippers and the Lakers. Um, you know, so I, I'm hoping that the Lou Williams debacle won't fracture that team. Um, you know, because, you know, guys like Kawhi, you know, he's, he's, he's all about business and trying to lock in. He's going to look at him like, hey, man, right. we gave up all – we made all these sacrifices. What's going on? I mean, right. you know, are we here to win or not? What's going on? Right. You know, yeah. so I'm hoping it doesn't fracture the team in that way. And if it doesn't, you know, look for those teams to be at the end. And on the East Coast, you know, I like Boston. Um, mm-hmm. I've been looking at Kimball Walker. Um, he's playing well. And I, I think a lot of them have the right mindset. Yeah. Still not healthy yet, though, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and – um, I also like, you know, Philly. We keep sleeping on Philly. Um, but if, if Ben Simmons can figure it out, and, you know, maybe he will. You know, he got that um, sports psychiatrist, you mm. know, to help work on his, his shot. I mean, because I think it was finally time for him to admit, okay, maybe I do have a hitch mentally yeah. uh, with shooting that jump shot. And uh, mm. the fact that he addressed it means he can move forward. And All I right. see some progress there. I don't know if it will translate this particular season, but moving forward, I think it'll really help that team. And what about Milwaukee? There's Milwaukee. Oh, I was just about to get to them. Okay, you know? okay. I mean, Giannis is just, you know, he's playing like uh, he's on a mission. Uh, like a so I guy. see him. <laughs> I see him and the Bucks maybe getting to the end with maybe either a Boston or a Miami. Um, mm. You know, don't sleep on Miami. Miami's been slept on. Yeah. Yeah, very slept on. Um, v, who do you like? V, who do you like? Who do I like? Yeah. Uh, out of the West, I think we're going to see um, the Clippers and Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. And in the East, I do agree that we're going to see the Bucks in Boston. Those are the two best teams in the East. I'm going to pick Miami and, and Milwaukee. Toronto Raptors. 
though they do still have a solid team. It seems like people just want to excuse them, but they play very well. But I wanted to ask you a question on the Lakers specifically, right? Um, you talked about replacing Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo with Waiters and J.R. Smith. It seems like the issues that have plagued the Lakers all season was inconsistent defensive on the defensive end outside of Anthony Davis, obviously, who's a defensive player of the year candidate. How much do you think losing those guys on the defensive end is going to impact the Lakers in a series with the Clippers where defense is going to be critical? So, you know, I think even with, with, with Davis on the middle, you know, the uh, guards on the perimeter, they can take, they can take chances. Now, you know, you lose a serious one-on-one defender in Bradley. Uh Um, But, you know, people forget that J.R. Smith, you know, used to be a pretty good defender. And I think he's extra motivated. When you look at him play, he's really motivated to kind of show that he's not washed, um, that he did belong in the league. And same thing with Waiters. Um, You know, I think they're going to have something to prove on that end. And, you know, it's not like they had to go through a grueling season and then now have to muster up the energy. You know, it's a shortened season. They can kind of put put it all out there and leave it on the court. Uh, you know, I still believe in Caruso as well. He's a great defender. Um, if he can stay out of his foul trouble, obviously. Right. Um, you know, so it's it, you know it's going to be uh, you know it's going to be a test. Um, you know, obviously the Clippers are way better defensively. Uh, so that's just an interesting matchup. Um, yeah. I can't wait to see it. Um, you know, it's it's great to have sports back to have this excitement um, because you know you'll go into it with this kind of. Uh, notion of what's going to pl- play out, but then you're completely surprised by certain performances or certain people stepping up or certain, um, you know, game plans that the coaches draw up, um, you know, but I think at the end of the day, those two teams will be there. And uh, personally, I would like to see the Clippers come out of it just because, you know, the Lakers have kind of had their day. And I-, I think it's time for the Clippers to establish themselves. Uh, I really like their owner. Um, you know, he's great for this league and, uh, they, you know, they deserve some success, some success, you know, after all these failures over the years. Let me ask Mecca, you one, one other question. Let you get, Mecca, we're not going to let you get away without naming your, your picks. Yeah. I, I picked the same, I picked pretty much the same as you I have the Clippers and, and Lakers. The lucky thing is we haven't had to pick the finals. We just picking the, the, the Western <laughs> conference and the Eastern conference. So I picked the Lakers and the Clippers, but I'm also going to, I'm going to go with Milwaukee and I'm going to go with Miami. Um, I think those are, I think. Miami's Miami's a sleeper, so I'm I'm gonna go with a sleeper. Um, but thanks, V. You made me forget what I was about to ask him. But uh, <laughs> no, what about the Rockets? Well, yeah, the Rockets. Okay. That's exactly. See, that's why we do this podcast together because we can read each other's minds. That's exactly what I was gonna ask you: is the Rockets, man? What's what's their situation? You know, do they do they have a chance here at all? Either. So I think they'll be entertaining. Um, you know, any team with Russell Westbrook is going to go hard in the paint, um, you know, and they're going to be hard driving and push the pace. Um, but I don't know what it is. I, I see James Harden, you know, he's getting buckets and things like that, but he looks somewhat, you know, stuck in his quicksand for some reason when I look at him play. Uh, I'm hoping he'll step it up, you know, as the games wear on because, you know, these are kind of meaningless games right now. Uh, but something about him doesn't, you know, look right uh, when I'm watching him play. And, you know, I just at the end of the day, I think they'll be exciting, but I don't think they're going to be there. Uh, they'll be lucky to get past the first round, uh, depending on who they get matched up with. Um, you know, so I, I really don't see them, you know, getting there at the end. Uh, it'll be a complete shock to me, yeah. you know, if they're at the end. Um, they just don't have the height. Um, they have the heart. Right. Um, but I think 
you know, being, you know, coming up short in the height department is going to hurt them when you look at these teams in the West that are, you know, killing it height-wise. I mean, look at Denver. Just, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Do you think Memphis is going to hold on to the eighth seed or do you think Portland or another team is going to, going to take that from them? I think Portland's going to take it. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if numerically they can catch up, um, but if anybody will take it from them, it'll be Portland. Yeah. Um, I like how they're looking. Nurkic looks look like his old self. Um, I think Carmelo's got something to prove. You know, he's already got a new name, Skilly, Skinny Mellow. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know he's, he's using it to his advantage. So um, I think the Trailblazers are really a team to watch out for, especially if they can gel with Nurkic, Nurkic back in the uh, lineup. Do you think they could give the Lakers problems? Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, you're good. The Lakers don't want to see Portland early. Um, yeah. Because, you know, Dame Lillard is just not scared of the moment. Nobody can stop him either. They don't have anybody that can guard him. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, yeah. and I think he lo- he lives for those moments. I mean, yeah, he does. You know, does. especially with the level of competition, he would love to go up against LeBron and take him out. Right. So not, they should be not. very scared of the of the Trailblazers. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have one last question for you. Um, you know, about the season. I think this season, interestingly enough, even though it's in the bridge season and we talked about the asterisks and so on and so forth, there's actually a lot of lot at stake here from a historical perspective. Um, this season, if if particularly if uh, LeBron and the Lakers win, or if Kawhi and the Clippers win, right now you're talking about, you know, these are two guys that are in the goat arguments. If that happens, right, and what do you think it does for Kawhi, in particular, um, for his potential goat argument if they go on and win the championship, if they take down the Lakers and go on and win the championship, what is that? How does that start to place him in, t- in his goat argument? So Kawhi is a very interesting case study. Um, you know, here he is with multiple finals MVPs, but he's never had a regular season MVP. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be kind of really interesting to see where he stacks up. Now, if he wins this championship and he does get the finals MVP, you know, you know, then you have to kind of say, well, when the game was on the line and the championships was on the line, he stepped up biggest. So I think that might weigh a little bit more than a regular season MVP. Mm. And, uh, you know, here it is, he'll be taking three different teams uh, to the promised land. And, you know, to me, that's going to separate him, uh, you know, from the rest of the pack and put him maybe in the top 12, uh, maybe top 15, 15, 12 uh, mm. players. Uh, but he's got to win the finals MVP while doing it. You know, you know, he can't just be kind of one of the, you know, one of the band of brothers. Uh, he's got to, you know, really step up like he did last season and lift up the. Uh, and will that and do you, and do you think if that that he that starts to put him on the goat trajectory because there are not really that many people that really can even enter the have a chance of entering the argument and V and I have mm-hmm. talked about this before. You know, go ahead, V. Him and Giannis are probably the only ones of the current guys. Yeah, I, because Giannis is young, even though he hasn't yeah. won yet. But Kawhi is starting. You know, does that he put him on a be. real trajectory? I mean, that, that could, could he eventually do something that will make us say, yeah, he's the goat if he wins this year. So it's kind of interesting. I it's going to be hard for him to be considered "quote unquote" the goat. If you remember, even though he's been able to play through, you know he has a bunch of injuries and and he's got this whole uh, load management thing going for him. Mm-hmm. He's going to kind of put himself in the stratosphere of a like a Barry Sanders, for instance, or a um, you know a player like that, a Bo Jackson, something like that. Well, you know he's great, but you can't put him in the goat conversation because he wasn't there you know, showing up for every game. 
you know, really, you know, being the kind of cornerstone for a franchise. Now, you know, sure, he took the baton and ran the last leg and got him there. So it's going to be in the conversations as far as greatest uh, players to ever play. But as far as GOAT, I don't think he'll ever get there because he won't have the numbers. You know, he won't have all the longevity and things like that to stack up against, you know, like a LeBron or a um, Jordan. Uh, But he'll be a very interesting case study because kind of as he goes along, how many championships did he get? How many finals mm-hmm. MVPs? Because he know we know he's not going to. And, and who did he take down in the process too? That's another thing too, which I think is will help him at least if he gets. Yeah, there. exactly. So yeah. you know, I'm just very curious to see how he plays out and and you know, kind of over the long haul, if he changes his mind and kind of goes back to being a durable, rugged player that plays 82 games. I, you know, I don't know if we'll ever see that with him. Right. Well, do you think that it matters in in this discussion? Right. One of the things that. Jordan fans always go to is that the Bulls had never won anything before he got there, right? Um, do you think that if Kawhi takes the Raptors and the Clippers, two teams that have never won before, to the promised land, does that impact the conversation at all? Um, it has to. It has to. I mean, you know, sure, you know, he was on the tail end of a dynasty in, in San Antonio, so we kind of scrubbed that. But I mean, he took a franchise that Nobody would have ever thought would have won a championship ever in Toronto. Now, the Clippers, they've kind of been up and down. They've had some good teams or some fun teams. They had Lob City, you know, teams like that. Um, but they've always been kind of the stepchild of the Lakers. So if he can catapult them finally to a championship in L.A., he's going to be a legend, mm-hmm. um, you know, no matter how you look at it. And, yeah. you know, for me, uh, that's going to mean a lot to his legacy. And, um, you know, when you look back at it, here's a player who didn't want to team up uh, with whoever was already kind of there. He wanted to go and change the trajectory of a franchise. He did that with Toronto. And if he does it with the Clippers, we've always thought of the Clippers as just like this snake bitten franchise. Would you ever have thought the Clippers would win? You said something, too, that I think may eventually hurt him as well. Um, and it's not necessarily substantive, but just style-wise, right? And you mentioned Barry Sanders. I felt like that was that was pretty apt, even though he never won. But you know, it's a different sport. But even in terms of they're like kind of they're quiet. You know, they're just quiet assassins. They're not people that are all up in your face. And 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 most of the goats that we talk about, particularly in basketball, you know, people who even have a chance of being talked about, like obviously Jordan's the goat. But then you have Kobe and you have LeBron, and you know, those are guys that are more out there, more outspoken, a little more a little flashier, so on and so forth. So they even have some of their appeal is not just basketball appeal. It's actually been broader than that. They've kind of expanded in the pop culture. Kawhi hasn't, doesn't really have an interest in doing that. And I think that could potentially hurt him too for people who are non-basketball people in terms of whether or not he gets kind of the the hype and the praise. But I think you're right. He is a very interesting case study. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, people should really, really watch out for because he, he might be quiet, but <laughs> he's driven, you know, so he's a killer. He's yeah. a killer. I love his killer instinct. Um, you know, and, and if you see some of these behind the scenes videos, um, like when he was at, at Toronto, uh, I love that one video where, you know, they were trying to kind of ham it up for the camera and he was like pointing over to the side, you know, let's go over here and, and get ready. He really leads behind the scenes. He's not out there front and vocal for us, the fans. Right. Right. But you can tell, you know, he has a really big presence on whatever team he's on, uh, even if he's quiet. It's um, gonna come. A real sports fan will appreciate that. 
it's going to, it's going to, I feel like it's going to come down to how healthy Paul George is um, for the Clippers, right? If, if he's healthy, the defensive menace that they have out there up top and, and the support they have down low, it seems like they're the most well-constructed um, and balanced of the teams. Although the Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis, which is a problem. Yeah. yeah absolutely. They also had a better coach too. Um, yeah. Don't count Doc out. He, you know, he knows how to win it. He knows how to deal with these different personalities. And he's very cunning and shrewd, too. Uh, he even knows how to use the media to his advantage. So, yeah, he does. you know, don't yeah. sleep on Doc and what he's able to do with that team from a mental capacity and, and uh, obviously strategy. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Yo, this, is, this has been great. First of all, uh, you know, like you said earlier, we are glad that sports are back. Uh, obviously, we want everybody to be safe and healthy and all that type of stuff, but it's good to get sports back. Um, make sure everybody checks out Maurice Bob's new podcast, Rebel Without Applause. It's available everywhere. Uh, we'll definitely be talking to you throughout the season. Hopefully you can come back and give us some, some insight on what we're seeing and make sure you stay safe and st- stay well out there. Thanks, guys. Uh, you know, again, I really appreciate you guys. Um, I'm always glad to join and I really appreciate uh, the support and motivation. Uh, you guys really pushed me out of my comfort zone. So you two guys are really the true rebels. And the original Rebels. So, uh, stay <laughs> flying high, man. All right. Thanks, man. Take care, man. Have a good one. Have a good thanks. one. Love the Pilot Boys podcast? Support us on Patreon. Supporters can pledge as little as $1. And we have some cool perks on there. Check out www.patreon.com forward slash Pilot Boys podcast. Show us some love today. You're listening to the Pilot Boys podcast, episode 39. Time to hit some news and notes. You ready, V? Yep. That was a good interview with Maurice. It actually brought me brought uh, me to a couple things. Let's talk about some NBA stuff since we're we're still talking about some NBA stuff. You know, what are your thoughts on kind of the Lou Williams situation? Lou Williams essentially got an excuse absence um, when I think somebody in his family passed away. I believe it was his father, right? Was it? Mm-hmm. Was it? He had gone I think to his friends, one of his close friends' fathers. His close friends' father. Excuse me. Yeah. And um, you know, he had gone to Atlanta. He ended up going to Magic City, which is a strip club. Jack Harlow, the rapper, posted a picture of him on social media, which is corny on his part. But nevertheless, he got caught. Um, Now he has to quarantine for a certain amount of days. And, uh, you know, he came out and fired out and said that he was just going there to get some some food, which isn't necessarily a lie because some some of those places do have some good food. Magic City got the best wings. wings. They do. And, you know, so uh, so but, you know, and then there's. You know, Kendrick Perkins came out talking stuff about him. He fired back. It's kind of a whole thing. What is your kind of feeling about not necessarily the specifics of that situation as much as just kind of the overall kind of thing as it relates to the bubble and players leaving and player responsibility and, you know, that type of thing? Look, we've seen with what's happened in baseball and other sports with people testing positive that you've got to set very, very strict guidelines. Mm -hmm. Um if you want to have the player safe and you want to execute, have the best chance of executing a season where the coronavirus doesn't significantly impact the season. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately for the NBA and Lou Williams, there's probably a reason why I don't know who this Jack Carlo or Carlo or whatever his name is <laughs> um, for posting this. But at the end of the day, the reason that this is controversial is magic city is a strip club. Mm-hmm. Lou Williams is a high-profile NBA player. It's mm-hmm. obvious that he wasn't out just partying at Magic City. He's historically 
been a huge fan of Magic City. It's his favorite restaurant. He's from Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So as far as that aspect of it, that needs to be completely dismissed. Um, but he does, as, as a 15-year NBA veteran, he does kind of get less of a leash as far as making mistakes. He kind of should should know better, I guess, um, than doing this. Have someone else go pick up the food for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was at, at best. It was it was it was irresponsible for a number of reasons. One, because, yeah. you know, you're you're probably not social distancing. Right. Even if you're there. And, and so, you know, the, there's a kind of an expectation. First of all, there are rules, but there's also an expectation for this bubble to actually work. That Everyone has to kind of do the same thing. Right. So yeah. if, if one person doesn't do it, not only is it not fair. Right. But it's also putting other people at risk. The second thing is that that's a place that's fairly high profile. Right. So yeah. it's not it's not a place that you can necessarily hide in. And it is a place where you, you, you don't be surprised if a picture ends up of you on the Internet somewhere. Um, and, you know, even taking picture there, that's just like also it's not that you're necessarily promoting it. But when you do take pictures or you end up in a place like that, you could end up being a promotion for that place. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like which is also a bad look. So I think, you know, like you said, if you want the food there from there that badly, they'll get carry out, you know, take out have someone else get it whatever um but don't do that right don't do this right when the bubble is starting especially when you're you know a veteran like you said and then also on a team that needs you right so you know you being out for two weeks is not a good thing for them and as far as kendrick perkins um this guy is is clearly got an agenda to to shock his way into relevance right mm -hmm. seems like as a former player you should have more discretion than he has. Yeah. Um, he's always taking shots at other players. Um, and the thing is, his he he did win a ring, but he, it's not like he was an elite player when he was around either. So it's obvious what his agenda is in, in, in this era of saying shocking things to get attention. It seems like that's that's what his goal is. And yeah, I have and a lot of respect for him as a player, but I'm losing it consistently. No. You know, this thing, in the, you know, I, I, we were having this conversation on social media the other day just about um, that, that one Travis dude. I don't even uh, Carl Travis, whatever the guy's name is. And just kind of how these guys just, you know, there's a there's value actually yeah, in, right. in being whatever and being shocked, like you said, or, you know, just saying crazy things or saying outlandish things and whether you believe them or not, um, there's also obviously a danger in it, but there is a value in it. And I think that sometimes clicks, right. The idea of trying yep. to get clicks is, is dangerous because it forces people to, to do things or say things that they may otherwise not do. And that's something that you and I have even talked about as we get our, I've gotten our show underway is, making sure that we stay true to ourselves and keep it real. Like what, yeah. what you hear from us is what we think. We're not going to try to shock our way into views and clicks. And, you know, that's just not how we're going to get it done. So, so I think you're right on that, but let's, let's move on from that. Um, there's some other NBA news, uh, a couple kind of social things. Uh, Mike Conley, you know, also, also a former Buckeye, he's donating 200,000 to communities that are affected, affected by COVID. Um, just want to give a shout out to him. Um, that's, it's, it seems kind of, par for the course for, for who he is and what he's always been. Doesn't, it's not contrived in any way. So that's dope. Um, and, and then Kyrie, you know, Kyrie, you know, he's a very interesting guy, man. Kyrie does a lot of things. He says things you agree with, says things you don't agree with. But um, one thing that he's definitely doing that I think gives, he gets a lot of props for is he's given a hundred or a hundred, $1.5 million. He's, you know, to start a fund. I don't think it's going to be the only money that ends up being in this fund. 
yeah. to essentially su- supplement WNBA player salaries. And those are for players that have to sit out for any reason for COVID or if they're fighting for social justice or anything. I thought that was super dope of him to lead the charge in that regard. Yeah. Like you said, he's an interesting character. You don't know whether to stand up and applaud him sometimes and you should, he should be applauded sometimes, but other times you just want to slap him in the face, you know, for some things he does, but but he is a, a human being. And one thing you can say about Kyrie Irving is he doesn't, he doesn't operate based on who he's supposed, who he thinks people want him to be. He is consistently who he wants to be. And I think in a way that should be applauded. Absolutely. And uh, actually, can I go off for a second? I need, I need yeah. to go, I need to go off for a second. It's not on Kyrie, but it, it, this Kyrie situation is actually reminding me of another scenario that I've been seeing a, online a lot lately. Um, it's kind of this idea that you know, a lot of these, you know, misogynistic guys on Twitter are pushing that women shouldn't be talking about sports and particularly shouldn't be talking about sports that they don't play and all this bullshit. And I'm just like, first of all, the real ballers, like people who are actual real ballers, they know that women are ballers, right? So that's like number one. And just that's like number one. But number two, it's like, shut up. Like, just, just, just stop. Like, I don't understand what your agenda is here. You know, I mean, if you want to talk about bad takes, I mean, 90% of the guys that are popular for sports give bad takes. So, I mean, anyone can give a bad take. And a bad take, again, is just an opinion. It's not necessarily something that, you know, is, is fact. And so, you know, you can agree or disagree and move on. But this idea that, like, oh, only a certain person can talk about sports, or only a certain person is qualified, I think is bullshit. Now, one thing that I can say is sometimes if you did play a certain sport or if you did do a certain thing, that could add color to your commentary on that thing. But as we know, that does not guarantee that you're even going to be good. There are a lot of analysts that we've listened to who played certain sports who suck at being analysts. So I just want people to just stop with the bullshit. It's annoying. You look like a jackass and I hope you continue to get called out for it. And uh, it's just, I just think it's important that that we say that just because we're speaking about this issue, I've seen it a lot and it just really gets under my skin. Well, I think that's, that's the first part. The second part is, is how the WNBA athletes um, oftentimes are looked at by media and casual fans and things like that. These girls are ballers, you know, mm-hmm. I can't beat a, a college level. Even in my prime, I couldn't mm-hmm. beat a college level women's basketball player one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to acknowledge that the reason that they they're not and they need support because mm-hmm. they don't get they're not getting 20 million dollars a year like Kyrie Irving is yep. to play a sport. Um, and the WNBA has notoriously had issues with salaries compared to internationally. Um, so that's the other part of this is is embrace and and enjoy women's sports um, as well as as is stop saying bullshit about commentators who comment on that. Right. And, and then, and that actually is a perfect segue into the other thing too, is that a lot of the WNBA, a lot of those players are leaders, especially in social justice. And, you know, recently, just recently, they, you know, decided to stay in the locker room. It was, it was suggested that they walked off the court when the anthem played, but it actually wasn't that they walked off the court before it played to stay in the, in the locker room while it played. And that was part of their protest, but we've seen them do many other things from, you know, uh, um, you know, obviously wearing the, the Black Lives Matter T-shirts or, you know, kneeling for the anthem or, or Maya Moore sitting out the season, other people doing the same. I mean, they're also leaders 
yeah. um, with voices and that, that need to be respected and paid attention to. So uh, it's just important that I think at all levels, at all times, all opportunities, we take the time to make sure that we shut that out and shut down those bozos because uh, in this fight for social justice, it's, it's, it's the fight is for everybody. You know, everybody yeah. who's been marginalized, everybody who's been oppressed, anybody who, who people uh, don't, don't treat fairly. It's important that you speak up about all of it. Um, so shout out, shout out to the WNBA players. Um, let's move to some football stuff, man. There's a, a couple things happening, you know, with the NFL. Um, and then also with college. I guess we can start with college football. You know, we have um, Michigan State football. A bunch of players and coaches um, have now tested positive for COVID. They're now under quarantine or at least social distance for the next two weeks. Um, Ohio State has come, has come out and they've kind of made what their criteria is going to look like for games. Um, they say there's no more than 20% people are going to be allowed in attendance. Mandatory masks, limited concessions, no skull, skull session, and no tailgating. Uh, I guess as you kind of look at the whole landscape of college football and the environment and, you know, trying to move forward with COVID, what stands out to you? What do you, you know, what do you see? How do you see this playing out moving forward? Well, you know, I'm, I don't want to keep giving football the excuse that it's harder to um, be safe in a sport like football with the number of players versus the NBA where you only have, you know, 12 players um, suiting up. That is tired. So mm-hmm. if it's harder, work harder, right? Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing with the the rapid positive tests at Michigan State at Clemson, we've had positive tests in at Ohio State, means that you are not necessarily doing everything in your power to ensure the safety of your players who are playing for you for free. So there's a higher level of obligation. And this isn't simply about thinking about how do we make sure it sounds safe enough for us to play, but is it actually safe enough? What is Michigan State directing their players to do when they're not at the football facility, right? Mm -hmm. Are their travel, is their travel being restricted? Are they facing certain things that the NBA players are? Obviously, there are questions about whether or not you can hold a college football player versus a pro accountable to the same standards. But it's very clear in reading the NFL and and the college football that they're way behind organizations like the NBA and internationally professional soccer in controlling this virus. Professional soccer's playing and been playing Mm -hmm. um, internationally. So we've got to address the fact that we're not doing enough. That's my Well, well, And and the thing is, is again, I think it's important to reiterate, we all know that people are going to catch it. This isn't about, you know, preventing this, preventing people from catching it. We know that's going to happen. I guess the question is always going to be, what precautions are you taking, right? And, and based on the available data and the current data and science and all that type of stuff, what precautions are you actually taking to keep the people safe? Um, and even if, you know, there's an argument, oh, well, these guys, are good. they're young, they're going to be good, it doesn't matter if they get it. Well, it's like, no, first of all, I, I, don't want to, I don't want to have it. I know someone who's 18 right now, right now as we speak, who is suffering from this, who is at home, can't breathe, it was hospitalized, 18, healthy, no other health issues. So it's, you know what? No one wants that, right? Yeah. Even if they are, it's possible and likely they will recover. Nobody wants that. Not to mention the fact that they can spread it and so on and so forth. So let's let's stop that the whole thing right there. But oh, they'll recover. Okay. 
the question is, yeah, maybe they will, but did you do enough to try to protect them? And then I think as it pertains to college athletics, it's just a totally different analysis, man, because these guys are not pros. They're not paid to go out and bear these type of risks, right? Uh, so this is an additional risk. You know, if you thought they weren't, they were already taking risk before, this is another risk that you're adding on top of, of, of their lives in terms of that, that they're required to take and also not being paid. Um, and when you look at, I guess, the, like the Ohio State thing in terms of the, the attendance and the concessions and so on and so forth, there are going to be people who are pissed about that too. Um, but the reality is, is that these, you know, and they're, ne- they're never going to necessarily say it, but these schools are looking at PR. They're looking at potential lawsuits coming down the pipeline in addition to safety, you know? So I think that we're going to see, and I said this on Twitter the other day, and I'll say it again, whatever you get in terms of football season this year, you better be grateful for it because I haven't seen a lot that makes me confident that there's going to be a full season. And it doesn't seem as though, like you said, um, that football in particular is taking this as seriously or, or, or is as well organized as some of the international sports and the NBA. And speaking of that, 10 players already, as, as, as of this talk, 10 players already have opted out of the NFL 2020 NFL season voluntarily. And five of those players are on the Patriots, including Dante Hightower, who was scheduled to make an $8 million base salary. His story, I think, I believe his, his mother is diabetic potentially, and, and I think he's expecting a baby. Um, but there are other people that are opting out for different reasons. And, you know, they don't get accrued seasons for this. This, this, this doesn't count for them um, if you do a kind of a voluntary opt-out. And they're still doing that. I think that's a very significant story. What's your opinion on that? Well, one thing I will say, we're, we're very critical about the with the NFL with a lot of things, right? But mm-hmm. I think they handled this scenario about as well as, as, as they could have. Um, the players who opt out for valid reasons, I don't know how they determine that. Um, or valid fears, whether it's family risks or other risks, they're still going to get $350,000 for the season. Um, and that contract that Hightower was at the last year of his contract, he will get that $8 million next year, right? It's not like the contract is canceled, um, which I think are significant steps, right? It's like um, in the sense that you're giving players an option it's not the best option but it is an option and there are some financial protections um in place for players who do opt out um and and like you said they should be a they shouldn't be um marginalized or or laughed at for doing this right like that's the other thing with football it's such a macho sport like oh you guys are scared no Mm -hmm. they're taking precautions and taking this pandemic seriously like all of us should. Well, I think it also highlights something that I think gets lost in these conversations all the time, which is that people are also making decisions to protect other people around them, right? And that's the thing that I think people forget a lot of times when they're talking about this virus. They're like, oh, if I catch it, I can beat it. But it's not just about whether you catch it and you can beat it. It's also about the ability for you to pass it to someone in your family and, you know, someone who may be not as healthy or someone who's more vulnerable in the quote unquote vulnerable population. And that's part of what's driving some of these people's decisions, people who have, you know, family or young kids or, 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 you know, uh, parents that they take care of and so on and so forth. And they're like, listen, I can't expose myself to that every single day and then come home and try to take care of my family. So I think that's another thing that is, is starting to be brought to the forefront a little more in these conversations is people saying, listen, 
this is not just about how it affects me, but how it could potentially affect the community. So I think this is a very, very interesting thing to watch. Um, and, you know, as we talked about with basketball, there is no shortage of football players or people who want to play football. So I'm sure there'll be, a, you know, there are a lot of guys, undrafted free agents and people who are going to benefit from these type of things and um, rosters are going to be expanded. But this is something I think to pay attention to throughout this season. Hightower is a huge loss for what the Patriots do on defense. He's the QB of that defense. I think Patrick Chung is sitting out as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that I don't goes. think Chung is sitting out. That's crazy if he is. I think. Yeah, he uh, is. Is that's he? What I just read. Uh, wow. Before we got on the show. So, yeah. so I mean, well, and the, and that's the thing too is that to see this happen on the Patriots, it's funny because you know there's j- jokes that they're tanking tanking for Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or whatever. But to it, it's the Patriots is not a team that people just feel like they can make. You know what yeah. I mean? So Brandon Bolden, for example, is a guy running back who's been on their team probably for a while, but he's like always like the fourth or fifth running back. You know? Maybe they just want to break from the Patriots. <laughs> for a seat. <laughs> right. 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 So we'll see. It's funny to see it happen to the Patriots, but you know, I'm sure yeah. Bill, Bill will make the most of it. So let's talk about some, some the NFL, but let's talk about some more on the field stuff. Um, you have Jamal Adams to the Seahawks. Um, they gave up a haul for him too. I think two first rounders, future first rounders. Uh, he's been very vocal about getting out of the Jets um, organization about how he just doesn't feel like it's being run well and correctly. Um, what do you feel like from a football perspective? How do you, how significant do you feel like that move is for the Seahawks? I mean, Jamal Adams is one of the two or three best young safeties in the game and only mm-hmm. getting better. Mm-hmm. As far as what he does on the football field, he's, he's amazing. Um, he obviously has shown that he can be a distraction off of the field. Right. Um, he obviously was just trying to get traded, but some of the commentary went beyond um, beyond what you should say as a player, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's as a if you look at what happened to Seattle as an NFL franchise, they decided that they were going to hitch their wagon to Russell Wilson. But that team, although Russell Wilson has performed great and he's earned every dollar, the team hasn't been quite as good since that legion of boom broke up mm-hmm. um and it seems like they have a good young secondary and it seems like they're trying to rebuild that defensive side of the ball mm-hmm. to support russell wilson so two first round picks is a hell of a haul to give up but the seahawks are an elite team they have a good roster um if they feel like it's time you know they while russell wilson's in his prime and this is what they need is that quarterback at the safety position, there's no price that's that's too high to pay, especially a guy who's 23, 24 years old. Yeah, I think you brought up a good point, too. They haven't really been the quote-unquote legion of boom the past couple of years, but when you do think about Seattle, you still kind of do think of that, right? Yep. And I think if there's a guy, if there's literally one guy that, <laughs> that you could say, who is the guy in the NFL that you know signifies or could be the symbol or uh, face yep. of legion of boom, it, it's him. So, yep. you know, it, 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 made, it made sense to me. Um, and you mentioned Russell Williams. Russell Wilson, quick shout out to him and Sierra. Welcome a baby boy named Wynn, which I thought was a pretty cool name. Um, so shout out to him. More on the field. Yeah, yeah. More, a lot of pressure. Uh, but, you know, he's got good genes. Um, Keenan Allen um, essentially came out. I think he saw some of the Madden ratings. And he called out people by name. He called out uh, Chris Godwin called out Mike Evans, maybe I think one other player, and basically said, listen, man, those guys are good, but those guys aren't, aren't better than me. And Mike Evans came, you know, fired back and was like, 
bro, you're not even close to my league, you know? And there's, so there's been discussion on that. Uh, you, you and I have talked about it in some of our group chats as well, but talk to me a little bit about what you think about that kind of just, uh, not the spat itself, but actually just the actual substantive on the field kind of analysis between those guys. When you get past the like superhuman guys, right? Like DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones. Um, and this is shown in fantasy. This is shown overall. Who's the guy that you go to if you want an elite receiver? Keenan Allen. I, Keenan Allen. I mean, but some people say Mike Evans, you well, know, even though he's good for getting you zero. Yeah, <laughs> in fantasy that's the thing. Week. Like, yeah. And we talked about this with, with receiver experts. My, my position on Mike Evans is he's hell of a target. Great high point receiver, physical, but he's not a great route runner and he can disappear. Inconsistent work ethic. When you look at why Keenan Allen has probably got a chip on his shoulder is he knows he works harder than Mike Evans. Mm -hmm. And he has essentially a handicap that these other guys don't, which is he runs like a four seven forty. And despite that, there's no receiver in the NFL that's better. And, and the corners will tell you this. It's better at creating space and getting open than Keenan Allen. So yeah. although there people might have issue with him calling out specific people, I don't I think Chris Godwin is better than Mike Evans personally, too, by the way. And I think mm -hmm. his overall skill set is going to get to the level of the Keenan Allens and the DeAndre Hopkins and those type of guys. Yeah. But, but Mike Evans needs to just go sit down somewhere, honestly. He's he's good, but he's not great yet. I don't I don't I don't think he I don't think he needs to sit down. I think that he has, I think he has a, like a legitimate He's argument like Allen, though. for, for, yeah. Well, I mean, I think he has a legitimate argument to say, look, bro, like I got more touchdowns than you. I've been more yeah. relevant than you. I've got more yards than you, you know, like I'm like, you're good, you know, but you're not me. I think, I think it's, I think it's fair well, for him to take that position. Well, when James is turning the ball over four times and then he's getting four extra drives every game. Well, that's I mean, the other thing too. It's like, most he's like, bro, if I, you're playing with Phillip Rivers, I was playing with James Winston and whoever else the quarterback was before that, maybe they came around the same time. James Winston gets his receivers the rock. Like his just, issues are not about whether or not his receivers have have great opportunities. Well, That's if you're throwing five interceptions a game, then you're not always getting your receivers. But you're getting, if you look at it, if you break it down, what does that mean? More offensive possessions, right? So that's why they were the most prolific pass Maybe, offense. but they were both for They were, they they were, were the most prolific pass offense in the NFL for a reason. Part of it was because they had more possessions than ever. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you're getting your guys the ball. It doesn't mean you're accurate. It doesn't mean yeah, so you throw it. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin both put up huge numbers, didn't they? Yeah, but again, this isn't – we're not talking about fantasy, right? Philip Rivers turns the ball football. over quite a bit too, right? Yeah, recently he, he's been better. But, but the other thing is – and the, the, kind of the bigger thing is they don't really play the same position. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they play the same position technically, but they're not, they're not responsible for the same things on the field. As a matter of fact – in San Diego, Mike Williams was the guy, was the deep ball, big guy. Mike Williams before is, that, he's Mike Evans. That's, yeah. That, yeah. So it's, so that's the other thing too. Um, so it makes for a good debate, but honestly, they're not even really in the Mike same Evans conversation. Mike Evans isn't even in the same conversation as Keenan Allen yet. Yeah. He's got to learn how to run routes better. Well, Keenan Allen is definitely a better route runner. I agree with you there. Uh, one, one more shout out, quick shout out in the NFL before we move on is um, Damon Arnett. That's our homeboy. He signed uh, with the Raiders. Um, you know, it's significant to me because obviously he's, you know, someone we know, someone we've watched, but the story, his story is also pretty dope because he's, he's, you know, I think he was a three-star when he, when he had come, which is not a bad thing, but now at Ohio State, if you're a three-star, like, you know, we're, we're mostly four stars and five stars, you know, so three stars, not necessarily something so exceptional at Ohio State from Florida, 
worked his way up, had some issues on the field, had some injuries. People thought he was a hothead. He wanted to leave last year. You know, Chris Carter helped him stay. He came back, balled out. A lot of people didn't think he was going to be a first-rounder, but boom. Here we go again, Ohio State with another first-round corner. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm happy for him. What are your thoughts on kind of just on kind of the Damon Arnett thing? Well, the big thing was that he always has had a chip on his shoulder um, mm-hmm. because of those things, and he felt like he deserved to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, if you look at his coverage ratings, the only person that was really better than him last year was Jeff Akuda, who was who was drafted a little bit higher. Um, but I think overall, I think when these other schools try to claim DBU, BIA is is what it is. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason it is what it is is because of the development of players. Mm-hmm. Every single guy that has come through there and gone on to an elite NFL career, which in the last 10 years, no one's producing more first-round top-level corners than Ohio State. Start with Bradley Roby, especially under the Urban Meyer area, and you keep going Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore, Gary Ann Conley. Mm-hmm. Eli Apple. Eli Apple. You can just keep going and going and going. Malcolm Jenkins. Um, Ohio State is different when it comes to developing that position. Shout-out to Coach Coombs. Shout-out to Coach Halfley, who was here for a couple of years, but there's not, it's not even close. Like we're developing players at a level that no other school is, 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 is doing it at. And I know I have my hat on, so I sound like <laughs> the nah. truth is the truth. The truth is the truth. Gonna, I mean, we're not yeah. going to sit here and say, you know, that we're like, you know, I don't know, something you that we're not right. I mean, yeah. like the, the argument is there. We don't have to make that argument. It's objective. You know I mean? Yeah. It, maybe some other schools have a, a argument, I, I guess LSU and some other schools, but it's like, it's not it's not biased to take that position as an Ohio State person. The numbers are there. Um, you know, even guys that aren't project quote unquote projected are projected. And there's even people out there that say if Sean Wade would have left this year that he could have gone in the first round as well. So Ohio State is DBU, BIA, you named a bunch of them. Um, shout out I just want to give a shout out to like you said, Coach Coach Combs. Obviously, shout out to Damon Arnett. And hopefully he has a successful career with the Raiders. Let's move on to some music stuff, man. There's a, there's a, f- a few things happening in the music that are interesting. Uh, Drake, again, officially, he broke the record for the uh, most top tens in the Hot 100 on Billboard. It's just, the dude is a machine, man. I, I, you know, we talked about him before and we talked about him on other shows and and he keeps coming back up. And the reason why he keeps coming back up is because he keeps breaking records. And, you know, some, sometimes, you know, this, indus- this industry is 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 it's interesting because on one hand it's like if you're if you're around and you've been around you actually get certain leeway on certain things that other people don't get and some people listen to your records differently right and you get certain attention that other records don't get if this was a younger artist you might not hear this record but then the flip side is that also people can get tired of you and you know once out of sight out of mind and once you they don't like something then you know sometimes it's hard to come back but this guy has been a machine man it's like 15 years just I don't know how he does it. Yeah. I mean, obviously there is uh he's got a lot, he's earned whatever cheat codes or whatever people say he has, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's proven it over and over. And of course the industry is going to finance and support a guy that consistently produces hits. Mm-hmm. And also he's proven when he's taken risks that are outside of the box that they work out for him. Right. I can't even count the number of Drake songs that I listened to the first time. And I say, this isn't very good. 
Mm. And by the fifth spin, maybe it's just as a result of my ears hearing it. I'm like, wow, this is, this is a good record. Even if I don't love the record, I can appreciate the creativity and the musicianship that went into it. Um, And I think, you know, whether or not you love Drake, hate Drake, you have to respect that he's probably the most talented artist. He is the most talented gen- artist that this generation specifically has produced. I don't think anyone's even really all that close. Well, and I think the thing is about him that whether you like it or not, you know, he's like Michael Jackson in this regard, please just understand this specific regard <laughs> is that his music, people of all ages and all demographics appreciate his music. You know, and that's very, very hard to do, you know, to have when you have little kids like I have nephews and nieces that love Drake's music. And then I have my, you know, mom and dad who are in their 70s who also appreciate Drake's music and everything in between. So that's a very, very unique thing. And I think, you know, again, we talked about this before, but it's important to mention is that he's he actually studies music and he's a student of the game and he's he has his ear to the street, so to speak. And he really, really and he collaborates with a lot of different people. Um, collaborates with a lot of different styles of music, a lot of different people from internationally. So he really keeps his his finger on the pulse of what's hot, um, what sounds are hot, what musicians are hot, um, what topics are hot. And he can, and then obviously the work ethic, right? He continues to create. He lives in the studio, which is what all the greats did. Biggie did it, Pac did it, Lil Wayne did it for a period of time. That's what it takes to kind of continue to crank out hits like that. You have to live in the studio. Yeah, and, and one one other thing I want to say about him is he thinks globally, right? Mm-hmm. He's not just looking at the artists in the U.S. Um, that are popping. He's studying different cultures, different sounds, you know, and people often, I think one of the critiques was, oh, he has a writing team, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't think you have to look at Drake as an MC. He's proven that he can rap, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of evaluating writing, that's where it really matters. If, But I think overall, I don't think that we should criticize him even from that regard because his goal is to create the best musical product. Mm-hmm. And he's willing to take input from a lot of different people, producers, mm-hmm. writers, to help get to that final product. He mm-hmm. doesn't let his ego get in the way of creating the best product. And that's one other thing about Drake that I think he deserves a lot of respect and credit for. Right. And it's a formula that that's worked. Uh, I guess talking to huge artists, Taylor Swift, she dropped an album called Folklore. The reason why I, I wanted to talk about this is because for a couple of reasons. One, um, you know, Taylor Swift is obviously a huge artist. Um, there's history there, even, you know, with Kanye and all that type of stuff. Kanye um, up. Yeah. And, right. And, you know, she's, you know, the people are saying that she's much more mature on this album and all that type of stuff. I personally have not heard the music and I don't, uh, traditionally actually listen to her but she's actually a person that I've come to respect at least on social media because she's been vocal about a lot of different issues um, she doesn't stay by the sidelines and I think in a lot of a lot of artists you know uh, and she's been this way it's not just now that like all of this unrest is happening she's actually been this way and so I just kind of wanted to just shout her out because I think that uh, it's 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 easier now. And we've talked about this for artists to say stuff now because everybody's kind of saying stuff now. But she's been a person that, you know, traditionally you don't see that from the pop stars so much. Um, but she's been a person that's been vocal from day one. Yeah, I'm not particularly a huge fan of her music. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think there is some, you know, she has a strong fan base, though, so it doesn't matter what I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good that she, 
that she's vocal. But one thing that I will say is she's also a master media manipulator um, as well. Mm. It's often looked at she's in that kind of situation. She came across like victim, but she really knows how to play the game of music um, and also make sure she stands out um, from a, from an artistic standpoint and, and just generating attention, which is also an important variable. She doesn't do anything like shady or crazy like that, but she, she is a master manipulator in terms of drawing attention to herself and her music. Well, speaking of attention, Bobby Schmurda, <laughs> he's supposedly supposed to be coming home <laughs> next month. It's funny. It's been, I think, five or six years, you know, and you would think that, uh, you know, that five or six years you would kind of wa- wash away and people wouldn't care about you anymore. But it's actually the opposite, man. I, I feel like, you know, maybe because of social media, maybe because of, you know, you know, just he having that hit right before he went in and people keeping keeping his name alive. People are really anticipating this. Do you see him having, you know, being able to bounce back into to the level of fame that he had? Um, before he went to jail. And when we've seen this story many, many times, right? Like it's always difficult. Even Tupac had difficulty coming back after he went to prison. It's, it's difficult when you take a few seasons off in this unapologetic music game where there are new artists constantly trying to get in older artists, continuing to compete. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing I do want to say about Bobby Shmurda is that, a lot of New York's uh, resurgence um, in the hip hop scene is, is a credit to him um, mm-hmm. and how he came out, even stylistically. If you see like the young MAs and, and, and artists like that, a lot of that is a style that Bobby Schmurter birthed. Um, so I do think he has a chance considering that, right. It is, mm-hmm. um, but it is going to be, be very difficult. Um, does he going to, is he still going to have the same pulse on culture because he's been away? Is he going to be able to come in? Is he going to have the same energy? You know, prison has an impact on you, right? So yeah. let's just see what well, happens. I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, you bring up some interesting points. And I think that this time period is, is different than even, you know, like Pac's time period, for example, right? Where now there's social media and literally you can stay up to date uh, with stuff day to day while you're in there, you know, yeah. sometimes you're not supposed to have phones, but these guys figure out ways to get phones and stuff like that. And people keep the, literally, you can stay up to date with fat. Like I remember back in the nineties, you know, pre-internet, pre all that stuff, guys will go to jail for five years. They come out and the whole world would look different. They'd they yeah. be like, what is that shoe? What is that phone? What is that? You know what I mean? Like, what is that car? Now it's like, because of social media and because of just the way media works, you know, the information flows freely. These guys don't necessarily have to miss a beat. You hear about guys still running stuff from some of these prisons. So yeah. that's not, um, may not be as big of an issue, but I, but you are right. You know, what did it do to the soul? Cause at the end of the day, music, a lot comes from the soul and what you feel internally and how you feel internally, a lot of times determines what's going to come out. Um, but, at the, but, the, but I guess the final point I'll put on this is just at the end of the day, if the music is good, yeah. He's right back. He's right back where he started. If he can come out with a hit song and figure out how to generate it into it being a hit through hype and maybe TikTok and, you know, having the right video or maybe having the right feature on it. He's right back. He's right. Yeah. He's right back. Ho- hopefully he abandons the record label that turned their back on him, too. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Um, <laughs> one one <laughs> quick, quick shout out. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Regis, Regis Philbin. Not a shout out, but a R.I.P. Um you know, he was just a cool dude over time period. He had a lot of cool moments. So 
uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's sad to see a lot of people that we kind of grew up with watching, you know, getting older and passing away. Yeah. He, him specifically, he's a huge loss, right? Cause you wouldn't expect, um, an older Caucasian male to be, because it's authentic, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. like he was just showing it for the cameras. Like he was down, he was cool. Right. He was just an authentic and genuine person. And, and I think that's what we all need to aim to be regardless of our background is just be authentic, be real. And, be, and that's what I remember yourself. Zach Smith had told us about coach, uh, coach Combs, coach Combs is like, th- that's, how he was. You don't have to be from something to necessarily be authentic and be real and, and they appreciate it. You know, like I, I posted a video um, on our, our social media the other day of, of Nas lyrics where he had mentioned Regis multiple times and he was in front of him and, you know, it was, and Regis was like reading them back and it's just, he wasn't trying to be Nas. He was just yeah. like reading them in his Regis voice. And so uh, I thought that was cool. So RIP to him, that's a big loss. And actually, it's an interesting segue. It's not a perfect segue, but to Ellen's generous, right? And no, she didn't die, but there's her show is actually under investigation right now for a toxic environment. I guess a lot of employees, um, African-American and otherwise have come out and said that there's a very toxic environment behind the scenes. And it's not surprising. It's, it's surprising theoretically because when you look at Ellen, she just seemed like a fun, loving, nice person. And it's not necessarily all accusations levied against her. Yeah, But to run an enterprise that big, and this is just something that you know when you've been in business and you've been behind the scenes and you've seen production, to run an enterprise that big, you know that it's just hectic back behind the scenes and you know that it's cutthroat and you know that it's, you know, it's not necessarily fun behind the scenes. What you see on TV is one thing, but what's going on behind the scenes is some, something totally separate. What were your thoughts when you heard it? Did it, did it uh, surprise you or is it something that you kind of... It, expected. It, it doesn't surprise me. You know, I don't want to get too much into this because Ellen hasn't really addressed this herself. Mm-hmm. But there have been rumors for years and years that the person that, and this is true for a lot of people, the person that she shows us to be on camera isn't necessarily the person that she is mm-hmm. in her personal life, right? right. Um, and and that's why, you know, sometimes we hold, it's it's difficult sometimes for celebrities because it's like, you can't just be this happy-go-lucky person 24 hours a day. She can't literally be Ellen 24 hours a day, seven days a week and get through things in real life like business, mm-hmm. other things when you have that much money um, and running your show. So right. I don't want to comment too much because I do think that that show brings a lot of positivity regardless of what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah. That show brings a lot of positivity to a lot of people's lives um, and pushes things forward. If there are some, some issues happening behind the scenes in terms of treatment of people, those are things that need to be addressed and fixed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there will be, I mean, you know, when I hear, when I hear a number of people complain about the same thing, I tend to kind of, believe it even as a lawyer i still know though that you know there's obviously investigation needs to be done and you know facts and evidence and stuff like that so uh you don't want to conclude anything specifically but in terms of where you're leaning towards you're like okay if if a bunch of people are saying that then there must be something there so we'll see how that how that plays out um they'll probably settle all the lawsuits and and just keep it pushing but um but yeah there's no surprise there uh a a funny story real quick (laughs) off the subject is uh a florida man who I don't know if it's funny. Maybe it's not funny. A Florida man, he basically duped the, um, his way into $3.9 million in COVID relief funds. 
and alone and purchased a Lamborghini and was living the life. <laughs> he ended up getting caught and is now going to, uh, now going to jail. I just thought it, it, the reason why I laughed is, is because when I, I posted this on Twitter and somebody responded and said, if he was a politician, he would have gotten away with it. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, you know what? That's so it's, 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 it's funny in a, in a sad way, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's our country's and major issue right now is that things that are done in the spirit of helping always are corrupted, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't just pass a three, tr $3 trillion stimulus and not think that a few million and case of politicians, probably a few 10 million right. isn't going to disappear somewhere, you know, and even the politicians yeah. and how they wrote it, they were all giving concessions. To yeah. Where are the guidelines? That, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, there's a, yeah. And, and, and so, yes, this guy got caught and should face consequences. Um, and, and I am happy that he, that there's a system in place that caught him. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of people out here who need money, who aren't getting it, who applied for these loans because they didn't understand how to apply or they didn't yeah. understand all the language and they couldn't afford the high price lawyers to, right. to get through it. That, are struggling right now or, or they didn't have a relationship with the bank which is the big one that yep. i that i hear from people you know a lot of banks um they're they're pushing these through for their for their clients yep. people that they have relationships with and a lot of people particularly minorities don't have bank relationships and that's part of when you talk about kind of historic the uh, historical effects of systemic racism that's kind of an example right it's like some of these relationships that people have naturally that they don't really think about a lot of people don't have as a result of just the way things have kind of developed. So um, that's a very, very good point. And, you know, the, the, it actually brings me to, I guess, kind of two more political things that we'll talk about before we get out of here. One is um, this false coronavirus video by Breitbart that was pulled from, uh, I think, all of social media. Um, and I think, actually, I believe that Donald Trump Jr., at least part of his account, has either been restricted or suspended on Twitter as a result of promoting this video and it's just it's it's so frustrating more than anything else to, to some of these conversations right because you know some of these arguments in a lot of ways are like we're arguing on fundamentals right it's, it's not like we're arguing on you know what's better between the orange and an apple what tastes better or what's a better sport between football and basketball we're arguing on like things that are fairly basic and when you have people in power or people who are high profile who are pushing these things out here, they know, and this is something that Trump knows, that you can just say something and you don't have, it doesn't even have to be verified necessarily and people are gonna believe it. And even if it gets retracted later or someone says you're lying later or whatever, it doesn't matter. The effect, the intended effect that you expect, wanted it to have is had because a lot of people are not filtering and researching and doing a ton of things to to uh, you know, understand all pieces of information. Um, what are your thoughts on on this when you heard it, and and kind of just where we are as a society when it comes to that type of thing? Well, I think having the ability as a society to question the people in power, right? Some conspiracy mm -hmm. theories and conspiracy culture is is good to have, right? To to mm -hmm. to, to keep people honest. But I think what, what's happened is that we've gotten to a point now where people are deciding what their position is mm -hmm. and then adjusting instead of looking at, you know, in a scientific test, you're supposed to be objective, right? You're supposed to disprove 
whatever your thesis or your hypothesis is. That's how you conduct a scientific experiment. Right now in society in America, we're the opposite. We There are a lot of people who are fr- just frustrated by this pandemic, and rightfully so. But that is impacting their psychologies and how how they digest information and analyze information. And that's very, very problematic because that is with social media, it's easy to spread something. There are people who swear by this Breitbart thing, right? The video yeah. that was posted despite it being disproven, despite there it being- basically like n- not- they're not, not even mad, real doctors. Not effective, hydrochloroquine is a is a cute COVID cure, all that type of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. so, and people now are mad at Facebook and Twitter and and these sites for taking this stuff down, right? Like, and I applaud them honestly, right? There obviously has to be a good filter filtration system because mm-hmm. Facebook got a lot of got in a lot of trouble for the ads that they were pushing in the last election and. And other things, this is a step in the right direction to me is it's like, okay, before Donald Trump can put out some random information that has no substance and no support, we need to t- to monitor that and make sure because it's dangerous when that information gets disseminated well, and I think who are who are already psychologically facing issues. Well, and, and then the other thing too, I think, is that you know, we've seen that this is the new war- warfare, right? Um, even from foreign powers, you know, China, Russia, all these people who, who are realizing that misinformation, disinformation, um, c- controlling information right now is the new warfare. You know, I mean, people look at it and are still stuck in the 60s and 70s of, of, of bombs and guns. And, you know, that exists, too. But really, the way that you can actually control a society now is by controlling their minds. And that's why you're even seeing all of these new media outlets pop up on on the right wing, left wing, center, whatever you want to call, because people are starting to realize the power in that. If you can control a constituency, then you can get to do what you want. Um, and that's the danger of this. So it's 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 not just, you know, there's a free speech kind of element to, to this, um, which a lot of people want to bring up. But then there's also a part of actually controlling deliberate lives and misinformation that's designed to hurt people. So there's there's a you know there's a lot to kind of be digested here. And I think what you said is important is the filtration system. How do you determine automatically something is is false, true or false? Um, and if somebody is saying it based on information or data that they feel like they have legitimately, how do you say no? This has to be taken down. But then there there are things that are just actually. You, you can't even necessarily, even if there's a person out there saying that you have to go with kind of what the consensus is and you have to shut it down and you have to be willing to deal with whatever, whatever First Amendment lawsuit they bring against you because the harm of that staying up is too great. Yeah. And, and, and let's just say it, frankly, the president, the sitting president of the United States cannot be just randomly retweeting random stuff mm-hmm. that he sees on the Internet mm-hmm. that no president has done that before. It's fine to have a platform where you go on a news network and you push your agenda. But to do this is there's something that's gravely wrong and disturbing about it. And what disturbs me the most is how many people in this country continue to be okay with it and excuse it. Well, so that's actually a perfect segue to this federal officers thing that federal officers sometimes like unmarked are being sent to Portland uh, to kind of 
deal with them. You know, there's there's videos you're seeing of, you know, someone in the Navy, I believe, or a Navy uh, a veteran. Maybe he wasn't a Navy veteran, but he was a veteran um, that was beat up. Moms are being brutalized. There's videos of that. There's people being thrown in, unmar- in vans, unmarked vans. And then there's now the threat of, and that was kind of designed to protect the city, so, supposedly, right? And then, but then now there's threats of sending people to Chicago and whatever federal agents just to fight crime. Yeah. Um, where, 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 where are we, man? I, I don't even. I don't, I don't know where we are because I'm very confused by this, right? Mm-hmm. On one hand, um, the federal government and our president um, is saying that the states need to control their constituents the vi- from a virus standpoint and from other standpoints, it's not the federal government's responsibility. Mm-hmm. But then you're sending in federal agents to police these cities and states. So that's confusing to me. Like you're, you're not sending a consistent message, right? And yeah. you're not acting consistently either. Yeah. Um, and then also we have historically had major, major issues. The reason that we don't, we have issues with, with with communist countries and dictatorships is that these are the type of activities that their governments engage in you would never think even though it's happened you don't this isn't what our country is built on right you have free speech if somebody acts out and does something illegal you have a police force to arrest them right um and investigate them to send in federal agents and unmarked fans and to do this type of stuff undermines the local government and undermines our country as a whole, in my opinion, in terms of what we represent as a nation. And, and, and it's just sad. Well, here's the thing. I think if, if you're paying attention and you're being honest, right, which is prerequisite that I don't feel like a lot of people do, you can see this is part of Trump's game plan. This is a game plan here. There's election yeah. in a few months. And he's saying, OK, what are the things that I need to do? He's looking at the polls, even on Fox News polls, and he's lagging behind. And, you know, he pays attention to those, which as he should, if you're running for president and he's saying, OK, well, what are the thing, points that I need to hammer home? Or what are the things that I need to do to try to regain favor or to, to win this election, essentially? And that's everything that he's doing at this point in time is geared towards that. It's not about a deep care for the constituency and deep care for the country. It's what do I need to do to get reelected? And so what he's decided to do is run on this quote unquote law and order campaign. And if you go to his Twitter every few days, he's going to just randomly tweet law and order in capital letters out of, no, out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, it's a campaign that we've seen used by other presidents in the past. And, and it's a signal to a lot of people uh, in this country that uh, of, of what you're going to do, what you're going to be tough and you're not going to allow crime to run our streets. And, you know, and there are a lot of people that love that and enjoy that. They watch these videos of people getting protesters, getting beat up, beaten up. And you and I watch that and we're like, damn, I can't believe that's happened. This is terrible. And they're watching that. They're like, yeah, beat up another one, you yeah. know? And so he's deliberately playing um, to that. And so when he said st- this threat, first of all, sending people in and then the threat to send people in, is also to it's part of the it's going to be part of his campaign videos. It's going to say, yeah. this is you know he's going to show the before they're trying to take the country from you. They're trying to take their country over. Yeah. They 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 yeah. are trying to do this. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what the country will look like if it's Joe Biden. Here's what it's going to look like under me. I will get law and order. I will mm-mm-mm. so any opportunity that he gets where he can kind of push that message, he's going to push it, and that's something that we're we're, we're going to see. 
he's operating, he's abusing the executive branch um, and he's operating like a dictator. That's just point blank. And he wants, and he wants to be, I mean, if you read, if you read books on just, you know, just dictatorships and, you know, different styles of governing and different styles of leadership, you could tell that he's read some of those books and he, he, he's operating some of his styles straight out of a book. Right. So, um, so we'll see, we'll see where that ends. He's not particularly smart, but he is very strategic, very strategic, very strategic. And he also understand one thing that I will say is he does understand a certain segment of, of our society and what they want and what they like. And he plays to it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes I don't even know if he believes what he's saying, but it doesn't matter, you know, because he knows that they're what to say to get cheers and get, to get rah, rah, yeah, totally get people excited. That. Yeah. And that's it. Um, and so the last thing we'll talk about uh, our news and notes, which, you know, could have been the first thing, honestly, is major league baseball, man. <laughs> you know, they, they started back up, no bubble. Miami Marlins had, I think 14 people, uh, in their organization that tested positive for COVID. And then reports came out even, I think, on Tuesday that another five have tested positive. So who knows where that's going to end. So they've had to cancel games. Other teams have canceled games. I mean, they just started the season. I'm not optimistic about this season, even though people keep wanting me to be, because I'm just looking at what's happening. And I don't see how they're going to be able to stop this thing from happening. But maybe you have a different perspective. Do you see this differently than I'm seeing it? Well, it looks like the Toronto Blue Jays got it right, right? Like they didn't want to have home games um, and run that risk for their citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, um, when you look at this thing in terms of why didn't Major League Baseball try to keep this within at least a regional bubble, right? Um, it comes down to money. It comes down to money because mm-hmm. – Baseball, more than any other sport, um, is dependent on these kind of small regional TV deals. Um, and they want to keep fans in the seats. They want a game to be happening in in Miami. They want mm-hmm. a game to be happening across the country in, mm-hmm. in L.A. because they would lose a substantial amount of money, I believe, mm. if they were within a bubble. Um, yeah, and, and the thing that's so frustrating about it, too, is baseball – from a, just a like a field a field of play standpoint has all the advantages it has this yeah. the, the sport that you can best socially distance it's the, the sport where you can best keep people away from each other you know even I mean, in the dugout have, and there's they don't like have three, to huddle up yeah. there's three or four states that all these teams go to for spring training why not That's, just have all the games there it, 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 it seems it seems basic um but you know i guess you know and i guess i'll, I'll end on this as many things that we've seen, not just baseball, but many things that we've seen in this country, this time period is particularly telling because what you're able to see now is people operate in crisis mode and what type of decisions they'll make when they're faced with tough decisions. And we're seeing people from all segments of society, from politics all the way on down to local school systems fail. And it's a a good reminder of why leadership matters. It's a good reminder of why voting matters. It's a good reminder of why why being active, understanding what's going on in your community or what's going on in in your field constantly matters and never ever just accepting the status quo and lulling yourself to sleep because what will eventually end up happening is a crisis will hit 
and you're going to have to deal with the consequences of either what you did or didn't do. And so it's an important reminder for people to get out there and make sure that you stay active and that you go out there and you vote and you exercise your voice because these decisions do affect you, even if it doesn't happen every single day. Yeah, that's a, that's a great note to end on. And don't just look at what's right in front of your face. Think bigger. That's 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 the way you have to operate in the world we live in. You have to know more than the basics to, to survive and to, to have valid opinions. Absolutely. That's all we have for news and notes. You're listening to the Pilot Boys podcast. Ondo Media here in Columbus has been working with us to keep the Pilot Boys in production during the pandemic, as well as getting our YouTube videos going. It's all about telling your story to your audience. So give John at Ondo Media a shout. You can find all of their media consulting at ondomedia.com. That's all we have for today's show. Big thanks to our guest, Maurice Bob. Thanks to everybody for listening. Don't forget, sharing is caring. Subscribe to the Pilot Boys podcast on Apple, Spotify, Patreon, and YouTube. And please follow us on social media at Pilot Boys Pod on Twitter and at Pilot Boys Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And follow the hosts on Twitter. I am at Mechadon Music and V is at Viswant. And don't forget to grab some Pilot Boys wristbands and face masks at shop.pilotboys.com. Always remember, be you. You is fly. Pilot Boys out! Pilot Boys, we get on